The following program is sponsored by Lindis Construction. This is the WCCO Home Improvement Show, brought to you by Lindis Construction. One call, one contractor. Lindis Construction provides Minnesota and Wisconsin with the best products and workmanship. They provide leaf guard gutters, asphalt roofing, metal roofing, seasoned guard replacement windows, exterior siding, remodeling, new construction, and more. If you've got questions, they've got answers this hour. Here's Denny Long and Andy Lindis. And good morning. Andy's taking some time off today, but in his stead is our friend Barry Strands. Who knows his stuff? And if you are familiar with the show and Barry, you know he does that very thing. So if you have any kind of home improvement question, put the pressure on Barry. You can call in. Stump that guy. Stump him. Stump the guy who's been in the business, not forever, but quite a (laughs) few years. Feels like it. But uh, he knows his stuff seriously. And if you you want to talk to a guy who's been in the construction business a long time and ask him your questions, now is your chance by phone or by text. We've cleared the lines, 651-989-9226, or send a text to Barry, 81807. And maybe we've got some new listeners who said, Barry, who's this Barry guy? Tell us a quick thumbnail sketch of your bio. Oh, yeah, the thumbnail uh, started at age of 15, buck 75 an hour hauling stuff on a job set for my grandpa. Did a little bit of college stint and uh, got a speech comm major. And then stayed in the construction business, and I've been teaching construction now for over 30 years. Has it been that long? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I started when I was 29 years old. I remember thinking, I'll have a lot more credibility when I'm 30. (laughs) That's what I remember thinking as I first began teaching. And it was like, you know, I just knew what I knew. But I was teaching a group of people in the real estate profession who didn't have construction background. So I had, at that time, I already had 15 years in the construction business, so I knew some things. Yeah. And now it's like, man, I can't rem- rem- believe how little I knew, and they still let me teach. That's what I thought was pretty crazy. But you know what it is, Denny? You're always learning. And people who learn, I think, and, and become learners for life always have more to offer because they're being informed as they try to oh, inform. I agree. So and I and now my job is to talk to contractors, realtors, and appraisers in classes for their continuing education, um, and it is just a blast doing that. And then I have a real job too as a site supervisor for a company called Kyle Hunt and Partners, which is a construction company. Yeah, construction Building. company. Uh, yeah, it's doing re- renovation and new construction in my, mostly the Mita- Minnetonka Lakes area, but not exclusively there. Okay, so you you've got a pretty full life, don't you? Yes, and a very bunch too. of kids, and too. I have eleven children. I still get people who don't you know, can't believe what were you thinking? I'm like, well. I wasn't really thinking. I was just going with the flow in the moment, and it seemed like a good idea at the time. But I love it. And it's crazy, busy, loud, expensive, and absolutely wonderful. Uh, and your family's great, though. I know you enjoy them totally. I brought a couple sure. of men here. You got a chance yeah, to meet a few Yeah, absolutely. Them, so. And we hear from them once in a while. <laughs> yes, Texas calls. Yeah, exactly. All right. So you, you've got kind of a little idea of what, what Barry's about, and we urge you to, to give us a call or send a text. If you have any kind of a home improvement question, we certainly welcome yours every week in this 8 o'clock hour. Uh, I was looking at, um, uh, well, I'm looking at some text messages now, but you, you started talking before we had to get on the show about, uh, among other things, moisture content well, yeah, absolutely. What, what's the deal? I, I should know this, but oh, okay, I Okay, so it's fascinating to think how much water is in a tree before it's cut down and harvested for a lumber product. And most folks don't realize that, you know, 40 to 60% of that tree is water. 
Well, you cut that thing down, and it's going to have so much moisture content. If you bring that into your house, the loss of moisture is going to cause movement at knot locations and grain patterns that are going to cause bowing and, mm. and movement. So we don't do that. We always know that it's important to let that water content dry down. So for years, we would air dry lumber for you know, a year and a half before we would put it into a house. And now, of course, the technology's changed. We were able to kiln dry lumber about 100 years ago, and they would take big rail cars and drive them into these uh, arch-top buildings, and then they would bake the wood for about two weeks. Really? And as they baked it, they would allow that water content to dry down to 19%. And that's what we say is kiln-dried lumber. It's a maximum moisture content of 19%. Now, the problem is people don't know that even inside their home, that kiln-dried lumber that they buy at the store, big box or a lumber yard, doesn't matter, it's going to dry even more. The final resting moisture content in your house is between 5 and 7%. Which means that there's water in the wood that you buy at a home improvement center or a lumberyard, but it's not done drying. You're going to put it in your house. It's going to keep drying. So all of the wood inside a home actually will continue to shrink as it loses water volume. I built a house for a lady, and it had 2 by 12 floor joists. Now, 2 by 12s measure 11 and a quarter inches. That's the standard size. She called me up in the spring, and she said, you know, you built this house for us last year, and there's some cracks in the, pl- in the drywall going down the stairwell. And I talked to the drywall guy, and he said he knew what it was. You carpenters didn't drive the plate down tight, and so there was a gap, and now it's settled, and that's caused this drywall to bow and crack. And I said, um, I said, I know that that can happen. I said, but I used to build like that. Now I use a sledgehammer to drive my plates down to make sure there's no gabbing. I said, I think something else is taking place. She said, well, what? And I said, I think that the lumber has shrunk. And she flew off the handle. She said, now I've heard everything. How is it possible that no one in this business will accept responsibility for what they've done? I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I said, well, I said, listen, Diane. I said, the, the answer to that question is to check me out. I mean, maybe I'm making something up, but here's how you can prove it. Call the lumber yard where you bought the lumber and ask them what the size of the lumber was when you bought it and then go measure it right now in your house. Now, she had an exposed area in the basement, and oh, so she was so able, she was to, able to actually check it and see. So she called me up the next day, and she said, I am so sorry. They told me that the lumber they sent out was 11 and a quarter inches, and they said it would shrink as it dried. And we have lumber that's 11 inches and some even a 10 and 7 eighths inches. It's shrunk because it's lost moisture content. Even though it was kiln dried, it's still not done drying inside the house. And as a result, that movement, that shrinkage takes place. So I'm on a house 20 years old right now, yesterday, and I'm looking at this house, and I've got a brand-new 2 by 4 that's 3 and a half inches wide. But the 2 by 4s that have been in the house for 20 years are about 3 and 7 sixteenths inches <laughs> wide. So they don't flush out on both sides because the new lumber is wetter, is wetter. than the dried lumber, and they don't time out or flush out on the surfaces, which can be um, it's a minor issue when you cover with drywall. But it's something people don't understand. So lumber shrinks after you install it. It's a critical. Even though it has been kiln dried. Even though it's been kiln dried. Yeah. Wow. And it happens with floors. Sometimes you'll see a house where there was an, uh, a beam that was not made out of solid lumber. It was engineered wood, okay. like an LVL or, and this, or a micro lamp. And these pieces, they don't shrink because they're engineered. But if you put a solid piece of wood up against those... And then those solid pieces do shrink, yeah. but the LVL doesn't. You're going to find across a joint, typically like a living room and a dining room, and there's a hump in the floor. And people have no idea why there's a floor hump. They, they think, well, the builder must have done something wrong. And what they don't realize is the solid lumber joists shrank, but the solid beam, the LVL, the engineered lumber, did not shrink. 
And the difference, of course, is then a hump in the floor as a result of shrinkage. So if we don't explain that to people and stuff happens, they think, well, my builder's an idiot. Yeah, yeah. My builder's, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing or she doesn't know what they're doing. And the truth is we have to do a better job as construction people of explaining the realities of wood movement. Now, there's seasonal movement inside a home, too, so hardwood floors. If we don't understand hardwood floors, if that house is allowed to dry out in winter conditions, typically January, yeah. house is never as dry as it is in the month of January. Well, that wood moisture content will shrink down 2 or 3%. And so now we see That's gaps opening up in the floor. So here, young kid, first house, some friends from his church. So it's a really high moral expectation, you know, of performance. Sure. And this kid's great. He wants to do the right thing. But the floors shrink up in January. And they call him and say, you know, we're not really happy with these floors. And he's actually showing prospective customers this house. And so he's like, well, I'll I'll fix it. He calls the wood people and they say, hey, it's seasonal shrinkage. Don't do anything. No, no, I have to do something for these people. These are really important customers for me. So he decides to go over and he puts wood floor putty down into these little gaps. And then he has the whole floor rebuffed and refinished. And they, they're thrilled. It looks great. You're such a, a, a contractor. You're so conscientious. We just love you. This is so awesome. And then May happens. And they come home and they're like, you know, we're, being dis- we're seeing cracks in our floor because of these buckling joints. Way, right? Now it's, it's swelling. Yeah. Because the moisture content inside the home is growing. The lumber is actually getting, gaining size. They call in early June and they say, you know what? Every night we come home from work, we're having to sweep up little chips of that putty that's popping out of the floor. Here's this young kid builder. He had to take the entire floor out and reinstall a brand new floor because he didn't understand seasonal wood movement. Interesting. I, I got to ask you about that because it was several years ago, and I know we have to break here. Uh, about uh, when we had our uh, wood floors installed in our sure. house mm-hmm. several years ago. They brought all the wood in, but they let it sit. To acclimate. To act. Now, that, was that part of this drying out or not? Well, there's this, is that a whole other reason? It's a huge, huge misunderstanding. Back in the day when we'd harvest lumber and it was had higher moisture content, we'd bring wood in and we'd say it was greener wood or wetter wood. So now we would dry it to the moisture content inside the house. The problem is today, good hardwood floor material comes to the job about 7% moisture content. Mm. But if the house is brand new and newly built, we've got moisture from paint. We've got moisture from drywall. We've got moisture from concrete drying out. So we're actually acclimating to a humid environment. So if we bring this in and acclimate for a week, we're actually causing this moisture content of our hardwood to grow. To increase. So we're actually swelling the wood before we install it. It's one of the dumbest things in the world, and still it's perceived all throughout our industry as the right thing to do. Interesting. We acclimate to temperature, but not to moisture content, unless we're bringing green wood in. And if we're bringing green wood in, we're purchasing it foolishly. Foolishly. All right, interesting stuff, Barry. Hang on. Barry Strands is with us filling in for Andy today. If you have any kind of a home improvement question you want to ask this guy, call it in or text it in, 651-989-9226. Text number, we've got a few of those now, Barry, 81807. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our Home Improvement Show. I'm brought to us by our friends at Lindis Construction. And he's off today, but our friend Barry Strands is with us, helping us out, helping you out. And if you do have any kind of a home improvement type of question, now is your chance. 
to talk to the guy with all the brain power here in the studio. <laughs> 651-989-9226 or send a Barry a text. We'll pick up on those when we come back to in a moment. Uh, 81807 uh, is the text uh, number. But, uh, Barry, we've got some folks on the line. Let's help out. Sure. Uh, Darlene is first up here from Lakeville. Hi, Darlene. How can we help you? Yes, I have a, a front porch, outside porch that's exposed. And each, it seems like every year I have to have it restained or painted. And some spots look shiny. Anyway, it just doesn't look good. And I, my question is, is it possible to put a composite flooring over that? I have a, a wooden rail all around that I, I would like to keep. So uh, there are a lot of things that can be done uh, to address the issue of the finishing material. And I'd have to know a little bit more uh, to be able to give you a better answer regarding uh, composite floors. You can replace the material that you've got. You can overlay that surface. The challenge is moisture. And whenever we do an overlay on something like this, we end up having creating a moisture problem because it's an exposed deck to moisture. We get water from wind-driven rain. We get water from humidity from the underneath side. It's not recommended to overlay this with something if there isn't roof protection over the surface of it. Unfortunately, there's nothing you can do without replacing. If you put a composite over the surface, a new decking material, everything underneath it will tend to move and create an adhesion issue with your new installation. The recommendation, unfortunately, Darlene, is that what you have comes off and new material goes on. Mm-hmm. That's is the that best much way. of a problem? I yeah. mean, is it hard to do? No, I mean, it's, it's uh, labor-intensive. The new material, the installation, we've got surface-mounted screws on new composite decking that go right through the surface that are easy. Uh, it's more challenging to do what are called hidden fasteners, but most of the composite materials have a matching composite plug so that the screw hole, actually you just tap these into the surface, and mm. they virtually disappear. Now, if you know what you're looking for, you might be able to still see them, but a glance across the surface, and it looks perfect. I've got that in my backyard on my deck and I love it. So, hmm. and that's what I would recommend, but take the existing boards off first. Okay, thank you for your help. Thanks, yeah, Darlene. Thanks, Darlene. Yeah, it's not always an easy fix, you know, is the best way. Well, it's not. It's, I mean, the challenge is getting stuff off of there. What we find with older decks especially is you can pop the boards off, but the screws don't want to come out. Oh. So the existing screws, even if they're galvanized or treated for weather resistance, they'll get rusty and they'll end up breaking off. And then the bigger problem is once you pull the board off, you've got to deal with what the fastening system. And, you know, it's doable, but you snap them like off. Like you said, you, it's labor-intensive. Yeah. I, I wanted mine taken out, and you had to take a channel locks or you had to take a vice grip and spin them and try to get them out, and then yeah. still half of them would break off. Kevin is calling from Alex with a question. Kevin, uh, you're on with Barry on CCO. How can we help you? Hi, Barry. Thanks for taking my call. We're going sure. to be moving into a house that has no gutter system, and I'm um, big on, you know, and you got my attention this morning when you're talking about moisture in a house because I just I want my house to be safe, dry, and warm. So sure. I'm moving into the new house, and I'm my existing house, I have a gutter system that's supposed to be seamless, but there's a, there's a few drips, and it drives me nuts. Yep. And I'm yep. just wondering if, you know, now a drip edge, is that supposed to go the length of, or are those infections or they should be made to, I, I have a feeling there's some water coming underneath the drip edge and it's dripping not into the gutter, but around the down and down and not into the gutter. And I was wondering if you could ex, um, explain that whole gutter system and a system that you'd recommend. And, and I'm on the road, so I'd like to hang up and listen. Sure. So, yeah. Thanks, Kevin. So. 
Um, the challenging part of the answer is that there are a number of different decking systems, and of course, Lindus is buying this hour, and they are they're promoting theirs, and their system is fantastic. And so, I would want you to be aware of that. It's a great opportunity. Seamless gutter installation is done not because piece of gutter in most cases, although you could actually roll gutter product on site and actually create seamless gutters. The price goes up by nearly double though when you do that. The challenge with drip edge and the water control at that edge, if drip edge wasn't already installed, you're trying to put that back underneath shingles and then you have to face nail that piece, which ends up looking less professional in many cases. But the system on any project would need to be looked at for installation capacity. I'm on one with a wood roof right now and the only way to put gutters on is to put them on the surface of the cedar roof, and they look bad, and they cause increase moisture damage to the cedar shake roof. So the homeowners eventually in this remodel decided to tear the roof off, and now the gutter brackets will go on prior to the installation uh, of the shingle roof. It changes based on what we're doing with asphalt shingles or wood shakes or with a metal roof. So there are some delineation issues there. But I would say your best bet, really, give Lindus a call and ask them to look at leaf guard gutters for that application, get a price. They'll come out and do that for nothing. Yeah. And you can get an estimate and look at the very best installation, as, in, as well as downspout locations that will minimize water damage around the That's foundation. That's important. Really well, if important. you get the gutters in the right place, Danny, but you don't move the water away correctly from the house and you've got grading issues and you don't solve those... You can drop water that is off your roof now, but it now starts to flow back against the foundation wall. And a lot of old grade applications had settling around the foundation. We think we moved the water far enough away because we have mulch beds, but the soil actually beneath our rock or our perimeter plantings is still flowing back toward the house, and we don't solve our real problem. All right, you want to get in touch? I know as we head to this break, 1-800-LEAFGUARD. That's the easiest number to remember to get in touch with Lindus Construction, L-I-N-D-U-S. Barry, we've got another half hour of the show to go. We'll take take this uh, break here. We'll have a look at uh, the weather and all of that good stuff on this St. Patrick's Day here on 830-WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our Home Improvement Show brought to us by Lindus Construction. Filling in for Andy today is our friend Barry Strands. And uh, Barry, as you know, we've had, well, I had a bunch of calls already. I don't want to forget the texters sure. either. So let's let's help out those folks. If you have a home improvement question you want to shoot, Barry, by text 81807. Don't shoot, Barry. No. <laughs> I heard that in there, Danny. Come send, on. Send Barry your text <laughs> by, by a text, which is great to send a text, is do it by text, 81807. All right, this is for us guys here. Uh, they went to, I assume, a big box store and bought what I thought was 2 by 4 by 8 pine. Yeah. When I got home, discovered they were several inches short of 8 feet. And the question is, is this normal? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> well, it's funny what we don't understand, and yet when, once you learn, you go, oh, duh. Uh, in the world of construction, we have a thing called pre-cut lumber. Now, when you have an eight-foot piece of drywall, you have a finished floor surface and drywall on the ceiling, we need our walls to be built uh, just over eight feet so that we can accommodate a ceiling drywall and still stay off of it in the finished floor surface. So we anticipate an installation that will use a bottom plate and two top plates on the piece of wood. So we have what are called pre-cut eight-foot pieces of lumber. They're actually 92 and 5 eighths inches long. Now, pre-cuts should be noted there, eight-foot pre-cuts, and it'll actually have the size in some cases, but right next to it is a full eight-foot two-by-four. Now, remember, two-by-fours don't measure two inches by four inches. 
And it is a, it's a really important to understand. Lumber used to be two inches by four inches, and then we decided, hey, we better air dry this. And air drying didn't cause much shrinkage, but eventually they kiln dried. And when they kiln dried, they shrank that lumber down in two weeks, not in a year and a half. And because of that, that lumber lost volume. So a two by four cut that size would actually shrink down to inch and three quarter by three and three quarter. Mm. Well, that's a crazy size for a piece of wood. But once they pre-kiln uh, dried it, they realized this lumber was still rough. So once we had the technology and the electricity to plane lumber down, we began to plane the wood, and now it was an inch and five-eighths by three and five-eighths. Well, in the 1960s, the Department of Agriculture got involved and says this is a stupid size for a piece of lumber. So we're going to cut it a little bit smaller. We're going to kiln dry it and shrink it and then surface plane it down to one and a half by three and a half inches, which is the finished size of a two by four today. It's the nominal size. I'm sorry, the actual size of the name or the nominal size two by four. And lumber that's eight feet is actually eight feet. But pre-cut eight foots are 92 and five eighths. So (laughs) does that make any sense at all? I'm glad we have people like you who know what they're doing. Well, two by eight should be seven and a half. And when I got into business in the 70s, they were. Now they're seven and a quarter by inch and a half. Wow. That's a two by eight. So this is not unusual for this no, texture. No, but you've got to be so careful that yeah. when you, if you've got pre-cuts and eight foots in bins right next to each other, read, you think it's the same thing. They look the same length. You've got to be real careful. Read the detail. And I always tell people, bring a tape measure in with you. Just double check. Good idea. Sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Here's a texter, uh, Barry. It says, we're looking... By the way, if you want to give Barry a call, 651-989-9226, Texter says, we are looking into a rather extensive and overdue kitchen remodel, opening walls, moving plumbing in our 104-year-old home in St. Paul. Any thoughts or a rule of thumb for cost of renovations versus current home value to help us gauge how to keep renovation costs at an appropriate level for the home? It's a good question. Yeah, it's a good question. Number one, I was thinking about this even before we, I drove over this morning, and uh, and the real estate guys will tell you this in the next hour. The most important issue relative to value is location. We know that that kind of sets the ceiling for what you can get for your home. And over improvement is a real issue, but I still believe it's good to do if you're going to be in the home for a period of time. How long are you going to be there? And if you're going to be there for ten years or more, I'd say renovate to make yourself happy. And I know you might spend more than you can recover. And so what? We go to Vegas and we blow money. We go on a trip to the Bahamas. We're not going to recover a single dollar of that. Why not invest money that we think of as wasted into something that we enjoy and use every single day of our life? In my mind, that's a great way to, quote, waste money, unquote. By the way, I'm making air quotes over here in the (laughs) studio. And, Danny, you can't see that. But, But renovation for kitchens. It's a huge, huge issue. Quality kitchens today with granite countertops, stone floors, stainless steel appliances, upgraded appliance quality. If you move from, let's say, a GE refrigerator to a Sub-Zero refrigerator, uh, you know, right now a Sub-Zero is eight grand. And when you don't understand the kind of price points, I mean, I just looked at a Mila range, and the Mila range was $5,800. So you start thinking differently about prices on stuff. And if you went down to Sears and Appliance Avenue and looked at a range, you go, I can range for 800 bucks. Sure you can. And I've gone to a, a places like Appliance Smart and bought scratch and dent sure. to save money. Yeah. So there are things you can do to save dollars on these things. But it's not uncommon to see a quality kitchen renovation be in the neighborhood of sixty dollars to $80,000. And that shouldn't freak people out. But if you go to a high-end kitchen, you're $150,000 today. If you've got down to studs, you're going to spray foam the exterior walls, put in a new window, address the mechanical systems, bring a whole host of different vendors in, deal with the codes and the energy code as part of that renovation. Those numbers really add up quickly. 
And if you're enameling cabinetry, you're bringing in a company in to spray an oil-based or a high-quality latex-based finish on the surfaces, every one of those things is increasing price points. So uh, can you get a remodel that's nice for forty grand? Sure. If you're, but if you're doing a gut kitchen remodel, you'll be hard-pressed to do it for under 50 even if you're looking for budgetary savings. Yeah. Now, the question is, what do you get back for recovery? Now, the appraisers are the best people to tell you this. But the question, of course, is what's the market expectation in your specific area or your location? So that is what's going to dictate the ceiling on what you can get for recovery dollars. Typically, kitchen renovations are going to recover about 70% of your investment. Again, that's a ballpark range. But if you're on the low end of value in a neighborhood, you'll get a higher percentage recovery on a kitchen remodel. But if you're at the top of that value, your kitchen renovation is actually going to uh, earn you less recovery on your investment. Well, you brought up another good point. Besides resale value, you get to enjoy it. Uh, Well, you know what? It's weird that we think this is something I need to get my money back on when I sell. Why is it we lock that in? Real estate is the big investment. We must get our money back. Why? We waste money all the time on I mean, think about the laptops or computers that right now, you t- you, they're not even good for a doorstop. They're too bulky. We never thought about that $1,000 computer we bought. and we, we, don't ever, we don't even think about it. It was an expense for life. Yeah, throwaway stuff. Yes. All right, 651-989-9226 is the number, and we'll get back to the phones. We have some text messages, too, I can't forget about. Ron, though, is calling from Hudson with a question. Ron, you're on with Barry. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? Good. good. Hey, I ran across a product on LinkedIn. I saw him advertising on there, and I was just going to ask Barry if, if you know. I When I looked it up, they're only on the East Coast. If there's something similar out here in our part of the country, it's uh, it's called Intex, I-N-T-E-X, Millwork Solutions, and they make a customized PVC railing and a stair railing. And I, I like the looks of it. It looks very sharp. And what I see in some of the big box stores I hear, I don't think looks as nice. It looks kind of cheap on the plastic side. I'm just wondering if you know of anything out here that's customized like that on the PVC side for, for deck railing and stairs. Uh, you're going to have to get outside the world of the big box to find something like that. And right now my favorite lumber yard outside of the big box places is Shear Brothers. And I would run down to a Shear Brothers and take a look at what they've got in their display. The one in Hopkins um, has a great display of exterior decks and railings that they've just redid last spring. So uh, that'd be my suggestion. You need to see what you're buying, too. And uh, obviously in Minnesota, we have to build railing systems that can handle the impact loads that building code requires. Sometimes we don't get our stairs right, and we end up with uh, stair treads, that we, the things we walk on, that don't handle the load requirements of code because no one actually tested the spacing of the stringers, the structure oh. underneath. And sometimes with any of the composite plastic materials, we have to change our framing detail to get that to be code compliant. Uh, estimates of cost. Uh, thanks, Ron. Uh, I'm looking at a text, uh, Barry, and it's hard to pin this down, but maybe you could kind of tap dance your way through this. What's a rough estimate to install toilet, shower, sink in the basement all roughed in was installed when the house was built. Water lines next to the area for the bathroom. So it well, sounds like everything's uh, handy. Uh, if, are we talking about all of the products or the plumber's time? Normally the plumber bill on something like that will be $1,500 to install those systems, assuming you've purchased the materials. You can buy a quality toilet for $100. We, my problem is we take toilets out on 10-year-old projects, and, I, and I, nobody wants them. 
I've got toilets yeah. coming out the wazoo, literally, from from people who don't, you know. It's quite an expression, I'm, so, Yeah, I was, I, there was a pun in there, if you can catch it. You have to stay, you got to be alert already this morning. <laughs> but, but, so there are options there. Uh, if you're going to do a shower surround, how that shower piece, if it's going to be tile. I mean, we think about a tiled shower, custom tiled shower is two grand. That's just a ballpark based on that. You go to Stone or you go to a full... I was in a customer's home this week and they want to redo their master bathroom and that's going to be thirty-five dollars to $40,000 wow. to do a gut and remodel of the master bathroom. With high-end materials. High-end materials. And see, we don't understand. There's a difference between a three-by-six subway tile and doing a full three-quarter inch granite, full piece, no joints, on the shower walls. It's just a different idea altogether. Oh, yeah. And that's what they wanted. So you start thinking about what people are looking at, and you know, a clawfoot tub. You can't get a decent clawfoot tub for under two grand. You know, so people are like, "Well, I don't want a clawfoot tub. I go to a big box store and I can buy a tub for three hundred dollars." Yes, and it's going to be a fiberglass tub or an acrylic tub. But people are like, "I don't want that look. I want something spendy. I want something cool." So you know, it just changes the dynamic. And I live in the world again. I paid thirty-eight thousand dollars for the house I live in. I live in the cheap seats. <laughs> but I don't work in the cheap seats. So you, know, you feel the, the pull of these different levels of uh, price point, quality, and then, of course, the detailing on the installation is everything. All right. I'll tell you what, Barry. I'm getting uh, uh, waving the clock here, so we'll, sure. we'll take a quick break. We have uh, Tom, don't go away. Uh, all the callers and texters, we're going to pick up on more of your questions. When we return on this St. Patrick's Day, 31 degrees, a few clouds here on 830 WCCO. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And we're back with this portion of our home improvement show presented every week by our friends at Linda's Construction. You want to get in touch? Maybe get a new deck? 1-800-LEAF-CARD. Getting into that, uh, that season. Uh, Danny Long here with the Barry Strands. Uh, Bill, Barry's filling in for Andy. And uh, speaking of deck, I think Tom in Painesville, Barry, has a question related. Uh, Tom, what is your question? Good morning. Yeah, I was just researching Missouri uh, and on the Internet there. They were saying that there's increased labor costs by using it with the, a Cameo hidden fasteners. And, and I guess you have to use like a thick, two-inch thick trim cap on the stairs, which also takes more time to do. And I was just wondering what your thoughts were on the um, insulation costs of the new, of the area. Uh, well, if you're doing something yourself, then obviously it's your time. So there's no dollar out of pocket. If you're hiring somebody, then you have to decide whether or not you want a hidden fastener look or whether you want to see the fasteners. And once you decide to do a hidden fastener look, then the camo system is the most efficient out there. So I love camos. I use them all the time. You still see just a bit of the screw head on the edge uh, but it's a way less expensive system than like an ebb tie um, or like a tiger claw system. Those systems are really more complicated to install unless you go to a grooved decking material. So every hidden fastener takes more time. The first time I did an epay, the wood deck with a hidden fastener, it took me three times longer than a typical surface installation. But the look is phenomenal. It's that tough wood, isn't it's it? It's a really, really, really tough wood. So yeah. the challenge is always about, yeah, it's going to cost more. How much more? Well, I, I typically think on the low end, 25% more for labor. And on the high end, 100% more or double for labor. But that's very specific to the system. So you look at Zuri, fantastic product. I love the system. The question is how you want to fasten it. And if you went to a camo installation, you're probably looking at 40% more than if you went to a mm. surface mounted. And, and that's not bad. But they're easy to install. And the camel fasteners available at the big box stores with the screws. You end up going, how can these screws cost me 100 bucks for this box of screws? 
But when you see the technology in the screw shank and the way they come in and they stay in, you know, it's easy. I love those systems, though, because you can pop those screws out, and ah, then you can take an individual board out. That's smart. Because as tough as that decking is, someone does something stupid, like drop a live charcoal, oh, yeah. burn on that, and you got a burn mark now on your plastic deck material. I love that Zuri Yeah, stuff. it's beautiful. Good stuff. When is it, speaking of decks, uh, thank you, Tom. When is it, Texas says, when is it time to replace treated deck boards? My deck is 22 years old. Yes. How does it look? Now it's the time. <laughs> now, right now. I'm sorry. Treated deck surface boards, unless they were not free, are moving around relative to the knot locations in the wet-dry cycle. I don't like the look, but again, it's always about your expectations and the market if you're going to sell. If you're going to live there and you haven't updated a 22-year-old pine treated wood deck, you change that decking out and you get a new railing installation, you're going to be going, how come I didn't do this 10 years ago? <laughs> Why did I wait? It will change your yeah. exterior experience. I highly urge you to invest the dollars to do that. Dexter says, speaking of wood floors, what's the best time of the year to sand and refinish oak, old oak flooring? Well, the good news about old oak is it's already completely dried out. There'll be some seasonal changes taking place, and I guess the age of the house is still part of the factor. I tell people that ideally you're doing that in the spring or in the fall. Those are the times when we're looking at moderate moisture levels, not the dead of winter and not the dead of the humid, humid summer. So it hit the spring, hit the fall. Seasonally, that's going to be the balanced location of moisture levels inside the house. The moisture level in, in wood has been, become an interesting uh, Well, it should be. People don't understand this. And then they end up freaking out because yeah. my, well, my wood's got gaps. Well, what did you expect? Well, I didn't expect it to have gaps. Well, why not? Because no one told me yeah. it would shrink. Information. Yeah. Here's a, hey, there's a good compliment that just came in uh, on the text screen. 42 years in the drywall business. This guy, meaning you, is dead on. He knows. He is so right. Good show. <laughs> How about that? Well, I've been working with smarter drywall contractors than the average guy. So whoever this guy is, I bless him. Thanks for that. But Thank you for taking the time. I've only, he is correct. I made mistakes. I've made almost every mistake you can make, Danny. That's and how so, you learn, though, so right? That's how you learn. Absolutely. You know? All right, I know we're uh, getting short on time here, but uh, Texter says, I'm in the process of installing three-quarter-inch pre-finished hickory hardwood flooring my entire main floor. It's been acclimated no less than seven days inside before being nailed in place, and it's going in very clean, looks great. Should I be worried that later this spring or summer the moisture level will go up and cause significant expansion leading to buckling? No, you should not. So it's pre-finished Hickory, yep. hard. No, nope, you're in good shape. Here's why. The pre-finished surface minimizes the moisture content that can be absorbed by the wood. Now, we always check ours. We use a Delmhurst moisture meter, and we check the lumber, and we check the subfloor content. But if that's an existing house and a remodel application, your wood is already dry, you've acclimated to a dry environment, you're going to be fine. Here's a, a question that came on the text line, too, just a bit ago. What are the fixes for a home with mold behind the sheetrock? Have you ever come across that? Well, of course. I mean, it's always an issue, and it was a big problem in the 80s and 90s as our houses got tighter. The question is, is it every place? Uh, How did it get there? And the solution is to figure out source of water because that's always what drives this. Solve the water source. And then if it's behind the drywall, uh, we have to address the extreme. It's like I don't have time to give a good answer to this question. I can see it as I'm trying to. Um, But if you go to buildingscience.com, buildingscience.com, all one word, look around there. And also University of Minnesota Cold Climate Housing Department has great information on mold behind drywall. Just like that.
Well, I know that you are a busy guy. You're a teacher. You uh, work for Kyle Hunt and Partners with those high-end homes, but we really appreciate your expertise here on the show. It is. A pl- you know what? I just like coming in here. If I can be I know, useful. I can, I can tell you do. I'm 61 years old. It's like, you know, I don't have anything to prove anymore. I'm just happy to help if I can. You're just so, a kid. I'm you're just, just well, a kid. you know what? 17 in my heart. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and you're going to go home and enjoy St. Patrick's Day. I, abs- I'm because I'm Scotch-Irish. There I know I'm, my last name is Strands, but I was born McDowell. I hope to see you soon, Barry. I look forward to it, Danny. Thanks so much. Barry Strands here. 1-800-LEAF-GUARD. You want to get in touch with Linda's Construction?